Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station. Listen, I was just saying there before we uh, we attempted to get you the last time around, commiserations on, on the results last weekend at Croke Park. Has it been on your mind during the week? Uh, it would be, yeah, if you're not all of our minds. Like, in fairness, we would always review every match, win, lose and draw. So, um, like, that's the process. So you'd have to sit down and go through the video, which was quite difficult. But, uh, yeah, it certainly has been on, um, on on my mind and and all the lads' minds. Listening to Andy after the game last week, obviously he was, like, bitterly, bitterly disappointed, as you would be, and it must have been a very difficult thing to, to watch. He said that, that they didn't meet, didn't execute the plan. What was the plan, and where exactly did it go wrong, do you think? Well... Um, there's probably a couple of things in that like um, um, form would suggest our form and their um, form would have suggested that the game um, possibly might have been um, a little bit tighter so um, we would have had a kind of um, a plan to go out and sort of to um, sort of contain for the first 15 or so minutes you know and grow into the game that sort of stuff we wanted a high energy performance and we were going to stick together and we were going to take a few risks so that's what we were really planning of doing right but you know, after um, eight or nine minutes when Dublin got the goals, you could see um, the confidence probably just drained from the lads. And then when they tagged on a couple of points there. See, it's different, David, if you're playing um, with all due respect to all to a lot of other teams and you fall like we did behind mm. uh, against Kildare by six points. You you know, you do believe that, you know, we can get back into this. We, we, can, we can get back into this. But Dublin have a history of um, subjugating you that when they get on top, they win all areas of the pitch and all battles. And they really, really go to town on you. And maybe that kind of got through to the fellas that they said that they couldn't see the way back. Is it hard to, like, I mean, we've, we've seen this Dublin team now for, you know, however many years it's been since they started to dominate. We were talking to Keane Ward before the game and the question I had for him was, how does the management make the players believe that they can beat this Dublin team and to take them on? Is that, first and foremost, a very difficult thing to do? And then when something like that happens early on, and look, this isn't to say that Mead played the perfect game or anything like that, but just in that respect, is it very hard to get guys to believe that they can do it? And then when you start like that, it makes it almost impossible. Yeah, yeah, well, um, like, you know, there's no point in playing the game if you don't believe that you can at least compete with them. So um, we would take the evidence that we have in front of us, David. So um, they were training very well. Um, you know, the, the communication levels were very well up. Our analysis, really, we were really happy with with everything going into place, uh, as we said. Now, I know it's difficult to compare a league, but um, we, we played them in the league about four weeks, five weeks beforehand, and we were relatively happy with our performance against them. Um, we got the experience of Crow Park. So all the evidence was suggesting that, you know, yeah, we have a good chance going in here. You know, now, the only way you'll get close to Dublin, believe it or not, is to play them on a regular basis. 
and like um, we, we, we've played them now a couple of times over the last year or so and even in last year's Leinster final like um, it was 4-1 or 5-1 at half time and we felt that we had um, a good hold on them defensively you know so we wanted to target then our, our offence and that's what we worked on a lot in, in sort of since we came back and um, like you know when your game plan then as I said doesn't you know work or um, you're finding it hard to execute maybe um, fellas do lose a little bit of confidence in themselves and that. now it's a quite young mead team uh, and they're super lads and the effort that they put on is phenomenal you know but um, yeah I'd say that's kind of what happened when we look back on it like they probably just kind of lost a little bit of faith in, in, in themselves and probably the plan you know Did Dublin do anything different from what you were expecting um, because you know again we're watching it on the television here it's very difficult to see the, the full pitch and exactly what's going on did, did Dublin do more or less what you were expecting them to do and or, or did they do something different that kind of threw your, your plan out the window a little bit well, see, here, here's the paradox of playing Dublin. Everybody knows what they're going to do, and everybody has a fair idea what they're going to do, but it's very difficult to stop when, when they hit what I call the flow state. Now, the flow state is when the game slows down for them and everything that they decide to do works out. Uh, and I have to say, they were excellent through the night. Now, I would know a few of the Dublin background team, and I was speaking to them afterwards, and they were kind of saying to us, God, that's not like you, that's not you at all. And but, you know, like that's them being kind. But what they did say, which kind of perked my ears up a little, was that, um, oh, air boys are very focused going into this match. So maybe our two matches against Wicklow and Kildare um, perked Dublin um, up, up a little and they were a little bit more focused on the task at hand. Now, um, I would take a little bit of respect from that because they were paying me respect by saying, right, we, this, this team's coming. We really need to be at our best. And, and they were at their best, you know. So you did a few, um, like what happens is, like there's a culture in Dublin now of, um, they've created a fabulous team culture of, of hard work, intensity, right, fabulous skills, good coaching. And what you can see there in the David is with John Small, um, Tom LaHiff, Bugler, and these fellas coming in, like it's the passing of the baton and it's an injecting um, sort of just the same work rate, the same ethos, everything that's there. Like it's, it's a really, really, it's a juggernaut. It's, it's, it's just incredible to look. Yeah, and we, we might actually, just as you mentioned that, because that brings me on to something I was going to bring up later, but we might as well mention it now since you, you said it there. Much was made during the week of the, the dominance and, and John Connellan's letter, the former Westmead footballer, got a huge amount of, of traction during the, during the week and what he, when he laid out the financial advantages that Dublin have. You know, you're a man that's been involved in GA a long time at coaching in different counties. Do you, and, and look, again, this isn't a criticism of, of Dublin or what they've done with, with their resources, yeah. but do you feel that, you know, for example, like how, where could Mead close the gap? Do you feel that this is, is becoming a, a serious problem? Did you agree with a lot of what John Cannellan said? Or or is, the, is there a case we made that this is maybe a convenient excuse for a lot of counties to hide behind? Oh, well, Dublin have all the money. What, what's your take on that whole thing? Well, um, I, I would, I listened to that um, debate all week and... Um, as I said, you know, we were kind of directly in the far line, far in line of it, of it um, last Saturday night. But one thing what I really, really love about Mead and the Mead players and everything is that they never use the victim mentality. Like, they never um, reference anything like that. It's about 15 players and 15 players going at it and the best team wins. Now, um, I've coached in Dublin and I've coached some of them players that are on that Dublin team and indeed some of the backroom team. And I know, like, their clubs, um, if you compare their clubs to Loud and Mead, there's not a whole pile of difference. It's made up the exact same way. Um, what I think the big difference is, and it's purely a numbers thing, David, right? their GPOs um, and their game promotion officers right, work within their clubs. 
and maybe not necessarily as much as in the schools, where in Mead and I know in Loud, we kind of focus a lot on um, working with um, the schools, right? So what Dublin do is, like I remember with Fingal Ravens, they had um, a GPO that gave them 20 hours a week and he also spent 20 hours in another club. Now, that's valuable coaching. And what that does also is helps the coaches as well as the players. So it's a purely numbers-based thing. So, you know, like in Loud and, and Mead, there are certain clubs that wouldn't be big enough to have their own GPO. So they would get a couple of hours a week. But um, to me, that's the biggest gap. And if you're looking to close the gap, it's the coaching within the clubs. Number one, the recruitment of players. Get as many players available at any age in through your gates. And number two is the coaching. So if you have a GPO that's working within your club and with your club, that's the starting process. Now, but David, that's about 10 or 12 years behind now um, we are in compared to that. You know, and it's a lot of funding. And that's where Dublin have kind of stolen margin. Now, people go on about the funding, but what a lot of people don't know is if you have a GPO in your club in Dublin, you used to pay half his um, salary. And mm. um, the, the, the Dublin GA or through grants pay the other half. So, you know, it's not all totally down to funding. It's, it's a numbers thing. Now, the other thing is they've 32 senior teams, um, similar intermediate and junior teams. So it's, they have massive numbers to pick with. And what that brings you is that brings you about 30 to 40 players at a similar level where all due respect to other counties, they don't have 30 or 40 similar players. They might have 20, 22 if they're lucky. You know, so that's another um, thing. But that's, that's a purely numbers thing, as I said. Yeah, so do you think that, you know, it's... Is it solely down to money? I, like, one of the things that John Canella mentioned in his piece was that un- until county boards start making noise about this, it's not going to change. And, I, you know, we haven't seen much of that yet. You could there's there's numerous reasons why county boards mightn't kick up about it because they might feel like it might damage them in the long run. Maybe they feel like they might have a, a light shone in the way they're doing things at the moment, and maybe they feel like th- they're not making the best use of their resources and they don't want to expose that. I don't know, but there's a few reasons. There's a few possible reasons why that might be why the, why the county boards don't want to maybe bite the hands that feeds them. But you know, do you think that counties are like let's say we're talking about Mead, so let's focus on Mead for a moment then. You know, you talk about the GPO situation, um, the, the the game player, the player development officers. Um, do you think that the, the county is making the most of its resources? And you know, like I spoke to a player during the week, a former player who was talking about player welfare, and he's like, "How can that be good for player welfare to go out and get beaten by Dublin yeah. every year? Like, how how does the gap get closed? Then is it all about is, is is it all down to money, or do you think that there are gaps in how things are done at the moment in the county?" No, it, it, it's not all down to money. Like, and that's the point. Like, I mean, speaking from, from my experience, like, like the Mead Senior Team um, are well-resourced and they want for nothing. Um, like, I think it's very, very important, David, right, um, that we, we mentioned, like, when we beat Wicklow and we beat Kildare, we didn't think we were the best team in the country. Mm. Likewise, now, after that defeat to Dublin, we don't think we're the worst team in, in, in the country. So, again, like, we have to keep things in perspective there to, to a degree. But what, 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 what the gap, where the gap has to close is is you need to get more kind of resources to the clubs as such, right? Now, that's difficult to do, right, because it's a purely numbers thing. Like, if you're only feeling um, sort of an under-10 team, and maybe not a 12 team, but a 14 team, you know, it's no point in having a full-time GPO in that club, you know. So in Dublin, they have the numbers for that. They, mm. Some clubs have two and three teams of each age group. So that's why the GPOs um, work well in that. And they have a kind of a coaching strategy. And what, 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 what baffles a lot of people is, it's not that difficult to um, embed in your own county because it's just based on skills and skill development and playing lots of games. So, again, going back to your community-based organisation, every kid gets a game and every kid is allowed to develop. You know, where, um, you know if, you can, if you think about it, 
sometimes in loud and made like teams aren't fielding teams like are they amalgamating and that's the issue so it's to get as many kids playing the game as possible and then you could get the GPOs into the clubs and they liaise with the schools and they get better coaching that's what it is now I know most of the GPOs in loud and made and they do great jobs right? and one thing that I have to say about them is they work more than 40 hours a week they're working in the evening times when we're all, all off and yeah. they're doing an awful lot of work you know so it's, it's, if you, it's, there's no point in flooding the area with extra GPOs if there's not um, sort of kids playing the game. So you have to get the kids playing the game and then probably get the GPOs in. So that's the way I would go about it. Now, um, and, and as I said to you, that's, that's a long-term plan. You know, and I'm sure the counties, I'm not, I can't speak for them, but I'm sure them counties have them plans um, in place as such. You know? Is that plan in place in me that you're aware of? Is there, is there, uh, a, is there a plan in place? Yes, Yes, as far as I know, like there's like you've got Seamus Kenny there, and you've got Jamie Queenie who are doing great work there, and and they, I think, I think they've about twenty GPOs in Mead, and like they're flat out, you know. But as I said, if, if I can just use the example of St. Column Kills, in because um, I know the Column Kills, they have sure. um, a full time GPO, and they've had that for a couple of years, but they have the numbers for that, David. You know what I mean? Like they have um, lots of, um, they've got a couple of schools feeding into the club, and they've got numerous teams, boys and girls there. So they have kind of the work for a full-time GPO. But I'm not sure of other clubs that would have that. But if you could increase their participation within the clubs, then you could kind of look at, the, look at putting a GPO within that club to help the, the volunteer coaches. That's the module in Dublin. And a lot of people kind of um, lose focus on that. Like, for instance, you know, my old team, O'Dwyer's in Balbriggan, right, they have a GPO. I think he's full-time now. But up until um, recently, he'd be only doing 20 hours a week there because there wasn't a need for him to do, to do that because the numbers wasn't there. So the first thing is, is if you could get the participation numbers up, right, then you could get a full-time GPO in there to assist the coaches. And that, to me, is the kind of first part of, of, of building that, um, abridging that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
and and just to clarify that then how how do you get the numbers up is that just you know is it going into schools is it trying to as you said there let making sure every 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 kid gets a game because we've we've heard this kind of notion that 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 all the kids should be playing and i know a few people who are involved in clubs yeah. in mead and that's not happening guys are being yeah. People are, are being told, like the official line is, everyone gets a game. In reality, the weaker the weaker lads are are left on the bench. And like like I I never played at a seriously seriously high level, but I remember when I was young, and I I just didn't get it until I was about twelve, and then I kind of improved yeah. quite quickly. So, but if you yeah. drift away from before, then you know you're not going to be involved. So, is that another issue? In in as you said, it's yeah. about as somebody said to me, it's about keeping as many kids playing until they're fifteen or sixteen, and then they can decide for themselves. But is that where the, a lot of the kind of numbers yeah. are being lost? Uh, Dave, I've been I've been coaching as you mentioned for years, right? And like I mean, I've coached all levels and grades. And um, like I remember when when I, I was actually player manager of the um, Newtown Blues seniors, and then I I started coaching the under seven in the Blues, right? And pr- primarily because my sons were playing, and like a lot of people start that way, right? But you don't know, like it's like the um, for, um, the um, the um, phrase like life is like a box of chocolates when you have a bunch of seven year olds you have no idea how they're going to develop in terms of players. Mm. But if you can make a connection and you can make it fun, they keep coming through the gate. And as you say then, what happens then is when they reach a certain age, their skills develop. Okay? And then you have a better sort of um, reading of where they are in the game. But the first thing is about, is about connection, getting them through the gate. Right? And that's why these goal games are brought in. And Dublin really embraced these goal games quicker than other counties, where there was kind of no um, official leagues and championships to a certain age where everything was kind of based on development. They even had modules where they wore different colour socks to um, indicate kicking with the left foot and kicking with the right foot, stuff like that, you know. Now, they, um, a, lot of, um, a lot of clubs around Loud and Mead or, or leagues around there probably lost faith in these co-games because they weren't competitive, right? But they were all based on development and they've seen through that so, again, if every kid is getting a game and if every kid knows that they're getting a game, they keep coming. Now, what we found, my experience told me down through the years that kids reach a certain age and without you having to do anything, they realise, you know what, this is not for me, and they go off themselves. But if they go off themselves, right, they'll still have an attachment with the club because you haven't kind of made them feel that they weren't wanted. They just decide, you know, I'm not really good at this, so I'm not going to play it. But they could probably participate in other things of your club, like they could be fundraisers, they could be committee members, you know. So that's what the GA is all about, and that's what that's probably um, like. I, I'm only speaking from my experience. Like that's the sort of um, culture and the module we've embedded in the Blues and such. That it's 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 community based. Everybody gets a game. They learn the skills as they go, and you know it's about retention through fun and um, attachment rather than kind of winning and losing. You know that way. Mm. And you know, like like that module has served us quite well. Now, a lot of people think that the Blues is a big um, town club. We're not. Like, we, we, we have a small enough membership, you know, but we, we, we focus a lot on retention. And it's the same with our club coaches. There's kind of a policy there. Everyone gets a game. Everyone's involved, you know, until it comes to a stage where the child themselves feels it's not for me, you know. Just to get back then to the, the Dublin uh, situation and obviously last weekend's game. I mean, you, you, you played for Dublin. I'm old enough to remember like the highlight of, of any given year was the Mead-Dublin game in the Leinster Championship mm-hmm. when it was always tight and always competitive. No matter who won or lost, Bar maybe 95 and Dublin won easily, but Mead come back the following year and win in All-Ireland. So, you know, aside from anything else, and I know Dublin fans think this as well, the sadness that's there because it's not competitive anymore and they're kind of bored with this, with this yeah, dominance. Yeah. 
But like the question I suppose I have, and it's I know it's hard to, to say, but do you envisage this being the case? I keep hearing from from certain Dublin supporters who who say, ah, this is just like a, a temporary thing, and you know this this conveyor belt is going to come to an end. You just mentioned three lads there, Lehif being one of them, coming through. I'm not convinced that this this conveyor belt is going to end anytime soon, and there's no suggestion that it would or any reason why it why it would. So, do you do you actually think that? You know the dominance in Leinster is potentially going to carry on to an All Ireland level. Now, are you concerned for the future of of Gaelic games in terms of the inter county level? Because you know I can only imagine preparing a Mead team for a Leinster final or next year, whenever it is, and knowing that this kind of shadow is over everything. And eventually, if you keep winning, you're going to run into Dublin at some stage. So, do you do you worry about the future of inter county football? No, I don't, right? And, and as I said, I don't like myself when that's kind of um, sort of bandied about, right? Because I think it's kind of like sensationalising it. Um, I'd, I'd ask, what's the option? Like, it's like this, like, we have to put one front, foot in front of the other, um, David, and just carry on and go again, right? Now, what's the option for all these players? Do they just quit and go back to their clubs, right? Or do they kind of challenge themselves where to, you know, see can they close the gap? And I know, like, from working for the last two years with, with, with these mid players, are very very driven, right? And and they they probably are not. They're probably being overcritical of themselves this week. They would not be happy with what happened last week. And knowing them to a man, I would say they'd be only too keen to see could they right that wrong that happened last week. And and that's the attitude you have to have. You got to believe. You got to go again, right? And you know, like I know, and uh, you know, you you talk about belief there. Like I mean, I see these lads every week, right? And I've seen these Dublin lads within their clubs, right? There's not a lot of difference in them technically. Um, you know, they're, they're as physical as them, you know, but there obviously is a difference, right? And that's the challenge to all of us is to sort of to close that, um, that, that, um, that gap. But as I said, what is the option? Like, the only other option is to quit. And if we all quit, well, then, you know, it's, the, it's not worthwhile. Like, I mean, it'll get even worse for Dublin. But I'll say this now, um, right? Well, this is what I sense myself sitting in Crow Park. And, you know, the great man was there last night himself, Brian Cody, but I think there's a, um, there's a snippet in his book, his autobiography, where he talks about when they did play Waterford one of the years, that he says, when you get a chance to destroy or really beat a team well, you take it because it makes your time playing them easier the next time. Mm. And I felt that last week in, 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 with Dublin. Dublin had kind of, um, their antenna was raised. They said, this me team is possibly on the rise. They wanted to make sure that they were kind of putting every, every obstacle in their way to rise, if you get me, you know? Yeah. So um, I'd be trying to put that to, the, to our players and say, look, they seen something in you to go out and perform like that, you know? And that's the challenge we have, as I said, and it starts with just putting one, one foot in front of the other, David, and going again, because what is the alternative, you know? Yeah, uh, my, my, my final question was going to be, um, like I said it last week after the game and I, I didn't mean this and, and I made it clear at the time this wasn't any kind of Andy McIntyre has to go I was just saying if, if you're standing there watching that it must be for you for Andy for all the players it must yeah. be very difficult clearly after a game you're going to be down but it must be very difficult to kind of get yourself going to, to come back now you sound like somebody who's who's already focused on as you said putting the foot in front, in front of the other but yeah. will we see yourself Andy and the, the backroom team back next year? Well, 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 I'd hope so. Like, I mean, Andy, um, like, like he, he, he's phenomenal. Like, he, he, he is, the, um, like, right now, when I feel, when I look at him on the sideline, he, he is Mead's number one fan, as well as Mead, the Mead senior manager, right? So it means so much to him. Like, I'd be kind of, um, sort of, the lads would be sick of me. I'd be talking about, 
process, 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 right? But it comes down to passion as well, right? And they have that passion. Like you've got Jerry Cooney, Finian Mort and, and Donald Curtis, right? And then you've got numerous backroom team, a fabulous medical team, right? You've got all these people that are involved, right? And they're all passionate mead people. So um, them along with the players. Now, I mean, like Donald Kyogre and Brian Menton, right? These players, these, these, these are top, top class players, okay? And like, I mean, they, they know themselves. Like they, they are hurting so bad from this. Right, and um, everybody is the same, but they know that the only way is to go back. So to answer your question, like, I think because it's a short turnaround, like, I mean, possibly we're hearing noises that the league might be starting in the third week in February, right? It's, 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 that, to me, is a positive that you can get back soon because if, if this was to linger on longer and longer and longer, it would get worse. But the fact is now is we have to kind of get our heads together and start planning the new season, you know. So I, as far as I'm picking up, we've had a few calls as far as I'm picking up, um, everybody has the energy now to um, to go again, you know. But as I said, we haven't had any official meetings or anything with that. It's just the first thing is like it's like um, it's like grieving, right? But I don't I don't want to um, like <laughs> compared what's going on in the world today. I don't want to um, sort of make it out to be something bigger. Like, but in terms of football, it's it's a grieving process. So you know, you go through all the phases where you're very down. You won't show your head outside. Then you get angry, right? And now you're reviewing and you're saying, right. How do we make this better? You know, that's that's the phases you go through, David. Well, maybe this has been slightly therapeutic for you then, Colin, to to, to get all this off your chest. Yeah, listen, it probably was. We we listen. We appreciate you. Always, it's always very interesting to hear your thoughts. And it was obviously a, a tough day at the office for everybody last weekend. And uh, good to hear that that everybody's already uh, already looking towards twenty twenty one. And hopefully, on every front, health wise, football wise, everything uh, twenty twenty one will be will be a more positive year. Albeit, of course, there were plenty of positives for me this year as yeah. well. Just a, a tough one last Saturday. But listen, Colin, thanks so much for taking the call. Thanks, David. No problem. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.